Hey friends, it's Ann Eileen Thompson, and this is the Faith Driven Leader Podcast, where we equip and embolden one another toward a career and a life that's built on deep trust in our good Father God. Some of you might know, Rich and I, my husband Rich and I have five young adult children. They were all teenagers when we got married, kind of a Brady Bunch household of hormones. (laughs) We had a lot of ideals and dreams for our new blended family, kind of like we have dreams and ideals for our teams at work. And in any case, we hit a lot of bumps in the road. We're, We're still hitting them. And the wisdom of today's guest, the sage Kim Bato, was a lifeline for us in those days. And I found that anytime we talked to Kim, we took away insight for our family, but also really practical ideas for how to connect with, develop and grow the folks that we worked with. You know, for the past several decades, Kim Bato has led children's and student ministries at the local church level, while also leading initiatives around adoption and foster care. As an adoptive mom and a special needs grandma, Kim is passionate about creating spaces where all kids feel safe and included and welcome. She does speaking and writing and coaching, and she works with parents and church leaders to equip volunteer teams, to strengthen families, to support parents. And Kim has a master's in family ministry, and she's a trauma-free world affiliate trainer and a certified trauma and resilience trainer and coach. Kim and her husband, Mark, love spending time with their five kids and their 10 grandkids. Kim has some true insight to share with us today. So let's listen in on my conversation with Kim Botto. Hey, Kim Botto, I am so excited to be talking to you today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Faith Driven Leader Podcast. You're welcome, Anne. Thanks for the invite. Always fun to spend time with you. Absolutely. You know, you and I met through your involvement and leadership at Crossroads in the kids yeah. ministry program where where you, I would say, are a bit of a, a hero in so many ways Aww. and, and a person that I so looked up to and admired and learned so much from not only about how to talk to and work with my kids, but also how some of those things translated to employees and clients and team members and people that I worked with and even even my my husband. <laughs> so right, I can right. I consider you just a fount of wisdom. So I'm so excited oh, to you're learn very from you kind. today. <laughs> Thank you for the encouragement. Absolutely. Well let's start out, Kim. I'd I'd love to I would start out with this question of give us a story about a time when your faith really impacted your leadership. Not only you work with kids, but you've been a leader for right. the majority of your career. Like, tell us a story about a time when your faith really impacted your leadership. You know, a lot of times in leadership, we can get focused on the task and what we want to accomplish. And we miss that we can't actually do what we want to accomplish without the team that's working with us. And so yeah. really, they're our greatest asset. And I mean, that's what Jesus cared about the people. He cared about the relationships. And so I believe in looking at Jesus as a model, the people that I work with and the people that I lead, I care about them personally. I care about what's going on outside the office hours. And sometimes that is really perceived as negative in the business world. Yeah. It's your getting too much into their stuff. And, but if I have a, for example, I was working with somebody and she was a brand new foster mom 
Mm-hmm. Well, it was important that I know that to help encourage her, to help give her some space if she needed space. And I believe that in doing that, you know, if you're if you're cynical about that and say, hey, we don't need to get into the personal stuff, you're actually going to get more out of that employee. They're going to yeah. be more satisfied. If they know that you care about them, they're going to care more about what you care about. Yeah. He asked a question about how does faith play in? I think yeah. it's being relational and caring about the whole person not just about who they are at work. Yeah. You know, one of the other conversations we had on a previous episode was with a guy named Jim Bechtold. You probably know Jim. Yes. He he was telling us a data point that he had learned that 60% of people believe that nobody loves them. Mm. And I just thought, Mm. wow. And what you just said about where our faith impacts our leadership to show our people that we that we work with that are we are you know whether they're our employees or whether they're our bosses or whether they're our clients or our board or whatever like that we care and that right. they are loved it, we just never know how much of an impact that might be making well and Jim Bechtold is my role model yeah because when I was on CF at Crossroads he was on the spiritual board and still as I'm sure at spiritual board of directors and but when he ran into me he wasn't asking me about my job. He wasn't asking me about how many kids right. and students were coming on or what my biggest challenges at work was. He was asking me about my kids. He was asking yeah. me about my grandbaby who was born prematurely. And I'm telling you, because of that, anything that Jim Bechtold would have asked me to do in my work, I would do because I knew right. that he cared about me and he had my best interest in mind. Yeah. And it was, and it's genuine. You know, I think that you, there's a way that some, that some leaders I've seen do that. That's not very genuine, but when you right. do it from a genuine place and people right. can tell, by the way, they can sniff it out a mile away if you're right. not being genuine. So Heck yeah, yeah, I love, I love that answer, Kim. What a great answer that you gave there about, you know, thinking about the relationships is the way that your faith really impacts your leadership. So as I mentioned to you, I've always been so inspired and equally sometimes challenged when I've heard you mm. teach on lots of different topics. Um, you know, your expertise across your career has really been creating spaces for kids, no matter what their background is, no matter what their situation is, spaces for them to grow and to develop and to to learn how to understand Jesus and who he is and faith and all right. of those things. You've also led hundreds of volunteers, I'm sure, over the course of your career, as well mm-hmm. as people on your team. And I thought I would love to talk to Kim on the Faith Driven Leader podcast about some of the things you teach about how to deal with kids that you think might be a, we might be able to translate them into how we think about how we deal with each other in the marketplace. So I think for some of our listeners, this some of the things that you're going to say are going to hit both sides because they've got kids at home, but they also work with a lot of people. And I was thinking about some specific areas that I thought would be mm-hmm. just fascinating okay. to talk about. Does that sound like okay. a good thing to do? Sure. Yeah. So the first one I was thinking about was, I've heard you teach before on helping and seen a lot of things that you've posted in the past on social media about how do we help people, I'll say, deal with mm-hmm. really strong emotions, whether it's fear or anger or sadness or happiness. I see a lot these days of fear and anger happening. Tell us a little bit about how you coach and develop kids to deal with fear or anger or some other extreme emotion 
And let's talk about how that might apply to people we work with. Well, first of all, you're absolutely right. The stuff, because I, I teach on parenting things and especially um, around kids who have experienced trauma or kids who have special needs. And during the trainings, I sometimes during the training will say, and this will work really great on your spouse or try this on your coworkers. And people yes. will giggle. And then afterwards, they'll go, oh, you were serious, weren't you? Yeah. So as far as big emotions, like what we feel is what we feel. Yeah. And, you know, there's a, there's a big thing going on now, which I think is great, where if a kid's crying, you don't say, you're okay. Stop mm. crying. Because they're crying for a reason. Yeah. So the same thing with a, a coworker and or an employee, if they're upset or angry about something, just telling them, don't be upset, don't be mad. That's not getting to the root of the issue. What we need to do is we need to dig beneath that behavior. And you do that by being curious. I love, you know, uh, be curious, not judgmental, Walt Whitman and Ted Lasso. Um, (laughs) So just curiosity is the greatest tool, whether it be in leadership or in parenting. So when someone does seem angry or upset, Start asking them some questions, not in an interrogation-like way, because that's not helpful, but find out when they started feeling this way and was there something in particular? Because a lot of times, I don't know about you, Ann, but sometimes I get really mad about something. And the thing I think I'm really mad about, if I start talking about it, that's really not the thing. It's maybe I've been rejected that way in the past. And so now somebody said something to me that makes me feel rejected just like I was before. So then all those emotions from 20 years come up. So I think just being curious, talking to people, give them the space to be angry. You know, if you're in a meeting and someone someone gets really upset, you know, they talk about fight, flight, or freeze. Well, maybe they need to flee. Maybe you need to do a pause on the meeting and give them time to take some deep breaths and maybe process with somebody. We don't need to do that with an audience, you know, give people space. Yeah. Yeah. It's really quite interesting. I I have two maybe oppositions that I could imagine coming from people. One Uh is this idea that, well, oh my gosh, that sounds like it's going to take a lot of time. I'm going to have to like spend all this time with somebody to unpack things and dig underneath. I'm not their psychologist. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a social worker. I'm their boss or I'm their coworker or I'm their their vendor or I'm their client. Like, why is it so important that we take the time to do that? And does it take as much time as we think it's going to take? No, it doesn't take as much time as you think it's going to take. And if you are a leader and you are managing other people, you know, they're your employees. Yeah. (laughs) I like your, they're my, they're my sheep. (laughs) It is, it is going to take some time. I mean, Jesus invests in us. We need to invest in the people that we're leading. And yeah, we're not counselors. We're not trying to diagnose them. We're not trying to recommend medications. Actually, that would be a really bad thing. Like, don't do that. Um, But we're helping them walk through some of the feelings and emotions that they're having. And I think that's good leadership. I mean, because we're not just training them to do a task. We're developing them as a person to be a great employee, to be um, the best version of themselves that God created them to be. And yeah, it is going to take some investment. I think people are typically surprised just creating a little space like that. This isn't, you're not going to be doing one hour sessions with them a day. Right. It's just giving them a little space to talk. And actually, just like with kids, 
typically it's not one conversation you have. Yeah. It's little bitty conversations over, you know, a period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a point, Kim, where if I'm having a conversation like that with my coworker or somebody on my team, where are there some flags for me to know this person, I should recommend that they get a different level of help or how should I think about my own boundaries as a leader in those conversations? That's a great question, Anne, because we're not counselors. We're not therapists. Um, We're trying to help them succeed in the workplace. And so that's an important thing to do. We're actually not trying to solve all their marital problems or deal with the trauma from their past. As far as recommending help, that's always kind of sensitive. You know, you need to to see what your employer policy is on that. You know, some places have, you know, opportunities to get counseling or therapy that you can direct them to. If you think they're a danger to themselves, a danger to somebody else or involved in illegal activity, I also want to, I always want to raise that up. Those are kind of the three questions. And if you answer yes to any of those. And I always say, don't do it alone. You know, Jesus sent people out in twos for a reason. So Mm -hmm. if you, if you have an employee that you're concerned about, go to somebody and not to share that person's story, but just to get support on what the best next steps would be. Yeah. Yeah. So one other question I have or thought I have is the the term anxiety is mm-hmm. has become very much a buzzword, right? And and so many people, it's not just a buzzword. I mean, the truth is a lot of people are struggling with anxiety. So if I'm a leader and people on my team are struggling with anxiety, I, I have seen some folks who are really sensitive to that and give a lot of space for it and create you know, safe spaces for their teams to work through things for individuals to work through things. And then other situations where there's, there's a belief that like, Hey, you need to keep that at home because work, you got to get your work done. How do we, how do we balance that? I'm not a therapist, so I don't want to give advice on how to deal with anxiety. I'm, I, 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 however, (laughs) I will say just giving people space to process, you know, to talk about if it's interfering with their work. Yeah. You know, ask some questions about do they see if it's interfering with their work. Mm -hmm. I used to have a therapist that I went to that helped me better lead other people. Yeah. That's really helpful. Yeah. yeah, and I've, yeah, I, that's actually been one of the themes across a lot of these conversations is this idea that as leaders, we need to take good care of ourselves, make sure our relationship with the Lord is good and and be progressing in our relationship and in our growth and in our development as leaders and as faith-driven leaders if we want to see that same impact on our teams. I, I'm sure that's true as probably same advice you would give to parents or oh, yeah. you know, anybody. Yeah. Yeah. But also the the therapist, yeah, I I definitely see see somebody to deal with my own stuff. But I also, when I was leading at Crossroads, and I had you know a really large um, staff team with yeah. kids and students, the kids and students team, I had a therapist that I would go to if I was unsure how best to lead somebody that would actually help me. That's excellent. That, that would. Have- what a great idea. What a great idea yeah. to ask for that help. And even if you're mm-hmm. not sure if you need it, just to ask for somebody else's input and opinion and help on that right. 
So right. helpful. So helpful. Let's talk a little bit about discipline and correction. Yeah. Let's tell, uh, tell us a little bit about what you teach parents about discipline and correction. And then we can talk about how that might apply in the workplace. One of my favorite phrases, and it's by Dr. Karen Purvis, who is a pioneer in working with kids who experience trauma. She says, connect before you correct. So all of the trauma trainings, you know, we talk about that with a with a child. You want to connect first. That's that's definitely something that's great with your spouse, your kids, your coworkers, your neighbors. You know, if they're doing something that you think is not socially acceptable, it isn't what they're supposed to do, rather than immediately go to the correction piece. Like let's say um, somebody hands hands in something to you that is absolutely did not meet the standards of what you wanted, rather than go, what the heck is this? Like, this isn't what I asked for. Yeah. Connect with them first. Say, I know I've seen you out there working on it and, and staying after, I mean, say the truth, but um, you know, staying <laughs> after work. I know you worked really hard on this. And you know how important this is. And can you tell me about how you feel about this project? Or yeah. but just connect with them first before you get into the this is this does not meet the expectations right. of this project. Right. Well, one of the the other things I was thinking about relative to this, several years ago, you were on stage at Crossroads and I was in the midst of still leading at, at Garage Group when um and that was my day job. And you talked about, you gave the the analog or the word picture of a tree. And you talked oh, about yeah. thinking about the the branches as kind of the behaviors that we see. Yeah. And when we, you know, we try to trim and clip those behaviors, we get a certain result, but we never really get to the root right. of an issue. So Beth Guggenberger, I know you, you just interviewed for your podcast, yeah. um, is a friend. And she shared that with me on a napkin in, I think it was Starbucks. Yeah. And the tree, you think of the roots of the tree as God's truth. Okay. And then coming out of that, so whatever I believe God's truth to be, is my um, self-image. Okay. What I believe about myself. Mm-hmm. And then coming off of that is the behavior. But what we do... If we, if we, like I had an employee who, I mean, she was just super disorganized, just really, really. So I was constantly talking to her about her disorganization. Yeah. Well, what that was doing was just stressing her out. She was so stressed out. Like she would see me, we would sit down and she would start crying before I opened my mouth. Oh my God. Not a good, not a good sign. Right. Right. Um, So, I recalled what Beth had shared about this. And so I thought, oh, what she needs is she needs to know God's truth about her. And God's truth about her is she was excellent working with students. She built amazing relationships with students. Students came to her, you know, when they were dealing with something difficult. That was all the good stuff. And so I actually just focused on those truths for a period of time and didn't correct. And what happened is she started believing that she was really great in her role. And then what happened is her behaviors changed. A lot of her disorganization was just because she was so stressed out all the time. She also realized that there were some areas that she needed to improve on and she got help. And she um, you know, worked with people who were more organized to come up with different strategies. But yeah, so you, you, you focus on telling them 
the truth. An example that when you heard me talk at, at Crossroads that I used was my daughter who didn't have any friends. And mm-hmm. so I was constantly asking her, who are you going to go to the football game? Who'd you eat lunch with? Who'd you, you know, just focusing on the behavior. And she just shut down. So I spent a whole summer talking to her about, you are so kind. That is mm-hmm. such a wonderful attribute in a friend. Yeah. I'd say, you're so tender hearted. You're tender. She loved animals. You're so tender hearted with animals. You're tender hearted with people too. People want to be around people who are tender hearted. And I kept saying that. What happened then is her image of herself, her self image changed. And she started believing that she was a good friend. Yeah. And then what came out of that is she started having the confidence to ask people to do stuff with her. And she became more social. Yeah. Because she changed the way she looked at herself. And wow. I, I know. So many people have talked about the tree example and using that with coworkers, mentees, their own children, their spouse. Yeah. We need to hear the truth about ourselves. Yeah. And, and what I'm hearing in that isn't necessarily, well, if your issue is disorganization, you need to hear the truth that you are an organized person. It's not that. It's, it's more right. kind of foundational truths about how God maybe designed you as a person. Your character. Yeah. Character truths. Yes. I I really like that. I think that could be so practical. And at the same time, then, what would you say to a leader who says, or a parent who says, yeah, but if I don't ever address the behavior, it's not going to change. Like, does it take a lot longer to change it this way? Or how do you you balance that? It definitely takes time. But I would say, and I have said this, so how long have you been working on this particular behavior? (laughs) <laughs> and often it's a really long time. I'd say, well, how's yeah. that working for you? And they say, yeah. I've seen no improvement at all. I'd say, okay, well, let's try another strategy. Let's yeah. try this for a while. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's so good. That's so good. Uh, one more topic, area that I'm thinking about. Celebrating wins. I have seen in the corporate world... That sometimes celebrating celebrating wins, I have seen it go one of two ways. Either it goes to ego or it goes to kind of self-depreciation and like a false humility. What's a healthy way that you teach parents and kids to talk about good things, celebrations, wins, successes without going to ego or self-depreciation? Well, I say one thing. You want to celebrate the effort. Mm. More than just like th- that they made a touchdown or they made, I mean, go, you know, go ahead and celebrate that. But you don't want then their identity be so tied up in, oh, I'm the guy who makes the touchdowns. I'm the kid yeah. that makes straight A's. Instead, it's I saw you work so hard on that project and you were so creative. I love the different ideas you brought into that. You know, he's a football player. You know, I loved how you worked with your team on that. You gave it your all on the field. So those are things that then they're not feeling like I have to always be making the touchdowns or always making the straight A's to be appreciated. Because really, if if they continue to do the effort, they are going to do okay. There are going to be times that you're going to make the effort and things aren't going to go as you had planned. That's life. Right. So, yeah, I mean, celebration, I think sometimes... Like, I'm not a fan of everybody gets a trophy. You're just rewarding them for just showing up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and that's okay sometimes, I guess. But we really want to build their character and focus in their, on their character. 
yeah and celebrate yeah. that and the, and by focusing on that the effort that they've put in that kind of builds character but also still shows that we're celebrating and we're encouraging and all of those things right right yeah, yeah i really like that i really like that and i think the point about our identity getting connected to our work results is is so true in the marketplace right like well i made this i made the big sale or I won the big project or whatever it might be versus those elements that are also, I hear in some of what you're saying, kind of consistent with maybe the culture you want to build on your team. Right. And and encouraging those things, the things that were consistent with that. I really like that. Right. Really good. I do. I will say though, I do love celebrating people's birthdays. Yeah. Because I think that you're just celebrating that you are who you are. Yeah. I love it. It's not tied to, not tied to any performance. Yeah. It's just, I'm glad you were born. And these are the reasons why. I I love that idea. I don't know a lot of, I know there, I know some leaders who do a nice job of like celebrating people's birthdays or people's work anniversaries. I know one of the things I didn't do well at the garage group, I didn't celebrate people's work anniversaries Mm. very well. And that's one of the things that I look back on and think, I wish I'd done a better job of that because each person that came to the team was such a gift. Right. Right. And I think I got caught up in the busyness of the day to day and didn't stop to do that. But how meaningful that would have been to celebrate people's work anniversaries or people's birthdays and and just have even a simple way of doing that. And and I didn't do a very good job of that as a leader. It's one of those things I look back on and think I missed an opportunity there. Yeah. I mean, really, something as simple as a card. Like if you did yeah. birthday and anniversary, that'd be twice a year. They would get a card from you telling them why you appreciate having them on the team, yeah. you know, what they mean to you. Yep. We do it. We did a good job of it at home. Yeah. But but I didn't do a good job of that from a work standpoint. I wish I would have. It's such a simple but powerful because I know how much it means to me, you know, when somebody well, would I, write me a note. You also need to do it in a sustainable way. I know I used to try to do cake and, you know, the fun. Well, then we've got like 60 people on our team. Well, there's no way that that's sustainable. So you need to make sure going in that it's something that as you grow, that you're going to be able to continue to do it because otherwise you'll just throw in the towel and quit. Right. Right. Really good. Good. Okay. Let's shift gears a little bit. I want to learn some from your career. And I'm curious... You know, over the course of your career, I'm sure you made some career changes here and there, but but tell us about a career change that you made or you didn't make influenced by God's guidance. Like, how did you know to make a change? How did you know, or how did you know not to make the change? What was the role of your faith in making career changes? I think any time I've made a change, I have just had this feeling of being unsettled mm. and I've not heard God say, Kim Botto, it's, you know, take this job offer or go pursue this, but it's just unsettling. And my community is super important to me in discerning God's call in my life. And so having, as I start feeling unsettled, and sometimes it's not even, it doesn't even end that it's a, a, a big career change. It might even just be something different in the way I'm supposed to be doing something where I currently am. But getting a couple close people who really know me that I can start sharing about, hey, um, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm feeling uneasy about or feels kind of, you know, I, it doesn't feel yeah. stable anymore. God speaks to me through other people. That's so great. 
Yeah, I love that. And having community around you that you can trust. Right. To talk to about those types of things. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Really good. When you think back across your career, Kim, there's a lot of different ways that people define success. How have you learned over the years what success really means? Like how do you measure or define success? Yeah, that's... I used to be in banking. So it was very black and white numbers. I mean, it was very easy to measure success. But as I, um, you know, changed and went different careers, I think part of even, okay, in order to measure success, that means there's some kind of measurement in there. You've got some kind of goal. And I think establishing the goal and what Mm -hmm. the win is with your team is really important because it's, it's, it's rarely just us by ourselves. It's a team. Yep. So getting other people together to really dream about, hey, what is it that we're going after? Or maybe someone has told you, hey, this is what your goal is. Yeah. Well, then you as a team can come up with, well, what are the steps that we're going to take to get to that goal? What are the different measurements going to be? How are each one of us going to participate in reaching that goal? Yeah. I think the biggest the biggest mistake we often make as leaders is we know what a win is, but nobody else does. Yeah. And nobody else has even had the opportunity to input into how they think we should get there. Yeah. And some people that are listening, they may have wide open, you know, they may be the top of the chain and they get to decide what the goal is. But but regardless of whether you decide or not, involve your team in figuring out how you're going to get there and how you're going to measure it and what role everybody's going to play. Yeah. And for you, how have you balanced those kind of corporate types of goals with kind of more king, almost, I, I want to say, I want to distinguish king, kingdom goals maybe a little differently. And mm-hmm. even within that space of kingdom goals, I've, I hear people talk about, well, how many people in your company came to know the Lord last year? And, and I, I personally really struggle with goals like that. And yeah, and thinking about a corporate goal versus my personal goal. My personal goal may be around my growth or my development or, you know, learning to walk through an old wound that keeps getting in my way, whatever. You know, how do you how have you balanced some of those? What I was just talking about before were goals for the company that we as a team are going after. And then I think all of us need to have individual goals that we may or may not share with our boss. As far as what we're trying to grow in, where maybe where God has shown a light on something where he's going, hey, like you need a little attention on this. Like your patience is, you got none. (laughs) Um, You know, be more patient in your conversations or, you know, fruit of the spirit isn't showing up. So I think as far as, I don't think it's attention. I think it's, we've got our goals or their corporate goals too. And you know, I work, I've worked for nonprofits and um, churches. We still need to care about, I, I know I've heard people say, but the life has changed, then isn't it worth it all? And I'm like, well, if we're not managing our money well, we're not going to be able to change any lives in a year because we're going to fold. That's a really good point. So those corporate goals, they're not from Satan. I mean, the corporate goals are things that enable us to keep doing us the work that God has called us to do. We need to care about the money 
that we're bringing in and how we're spending it. And is it the best use? Yeah. And it all then helps us do what we believe God is calling us to do. Oh, that's so good. I Because I think, I think there's a lot of confusion around that sometimes for Christians in the marketplace, right? Like, should I care about this corporate goal? And maybe they think there's even... Attention might not be even the right word, but like a reverse correlation, but really there's not. Most of the time there's not. It's a positive correlation. Like the better we manage profit margin, for example, the more successful we are as a company so we can impact more people or, you know, put more of our great product in people's hands, those types of things, whatever type of business we're in. They're not necessarily opposed to each other, but I think people sometimes get Mm -hmm. confused that I need to go for this ethereal goal and not care about the corporate goal, but what you're illustrating is why it's important to do both. Yeah. Yeah. And we need to submit to our leadership. God calls us to do that too. There's all kinds of scripture about that. And so if our, if the leadership of our company is telling us, this is what we're working towards, then we need to give it our best because there's also plenty of scripture on that. And if it comes to a point where we say, man, I am not, I am not in line with this goal that we're going after. I'm not in line with the way we're doing business. Then it's time to dust off our sandals and go to a different place. Yeah. Yeah. And the hardest thing about that is we may be called to leave before God reveals where we're going next. Yeah. And that's where faith comes in. Absolutely. I've got a couple of stories of my own like that. And lots of people I've talked to have those as well. So good. Where Where is God challenging you right now, Kim? What's he working on with you? Well, in February, I I called it. I kind of retired. Uh, um, I was I was working for a nonprofit, and I have ten grandkids, ages one through nine, that live within a mile and a half of me. And I know that he wants me to spend time with them, and so that's part of the reason that I kind of retired. But then I also <laughs> am very passionate about helping churches, schools, organizations create safe and welcoming places for all kids. And especially the kids that I'm the most passionate about are the kids who've experienced trauma. Therefore, they have challenging behaviors and the kids who have special needs. I want us to be in, you know, you're seeing such great um, progress in this awareness. there's awareness, but we've still got some a way to go on the acceptance piece. And so that's where God is really, really challenging me is balancing the being with my kids and grandkids. And then also this call on my life. It's been the call on my life for decades. Yeah. And it's advocating for kids who have lost their voice, yeah. um, advocating for kids who are misunderstood. And, you know, I guess is, I don't know, several years ago, I decided to take just two days and I was just going to spend time with the Lord and just asking him, what do you, what do you want me to do with my life? I felt like I audibly heard him sigh, like, (laughs) okay, let's go through this again. Because part of it, when you're passionate about something, You kind of think everybody has that fire in them. And so what he has revealed to me is actually not everybody is Mm -hmm. um, running towards the kids who are the hardest. Yeah. And somebody somebody once told me in kids club, there was just some stuff going on in a room that wasn't fun. 
It was really hard. And people are like at the door wanting to get out. And I went running in and they go, like, did you see that? Like, you want to be there. Other people don't want to be there. And that's that's okay for them. But it's me realizing what my calling in my life is and pursuing it. And I don't have to be employed in a job in order to do that. Mm-hmm. And so that's where God's challenging me is how do I continue to advocate for them? Kim, something you said, it really, really hit me that this, I, I know in scripture, there are multiple places where it basically says, God wants to give us the desires of our hearts. Right. And he and then I also can see in scripture that he created me with these desires in my heart that are unique and sometimes we forget how unique we are. Right. And how purposed right. we are and what you just said was such a beautiful reminder that the thing that you are passionate about that you that makes you want to get up in the morning is unique to you. And it's not to put a burden on you to say you have to get it done because if you don't, God's not going to get it done. He doesn't need us, right. but he has wired us and designed, he put a desire, a passion and a, a something in our hearts that we want a problem that we we just have to solve. And he probably wired us to solve it, to be right. part of the, that solution and not to forget that. Right. It's, it's, it's just fascinating. And, and, and I also love the part you said about we don't have to be in a job or employed no. to do that. You know, some of no. us probably feel like, well, I have my day job, but the thing I'm really excited about is over here. Should I just go over here? Do I have to be in ministry or do I have to be in a nonprofit to do the thing I'm passionate about? No, you don't. Like there are lots of ways mm-hmm. you can do it through right. volunteering, through mentoring, all these different ways that you can do that. What a beautiful reminder. I'm so right. glad you said that. And we don't want all the believers to leave corporate America and right. all be working for nonprofit and churches. I mean, we're <laughs> yeah. supposed to be out in the world. Yeah, yeah, totally. You're totally right. Uh, Kim, this has been such a great conversation. You know, I love this heart that you have to create spaces for kids, uh, especially kids who've been through trauma and special needs kids. Um, we're going to put some information in the show notes if people want to get in touch with you about that. But just tell us the types of organizations that you most often work with. Well, churches. I work with a lot of churches because having been at Crossroads for 16 years, leading kids and students, you know, we really changed the DNA of our ministry mm. by getting trained on trauma-informed care, working with people who worked with kids who had special needs and disabilities so it could be a welcoming place for them. Um, So anyway, I work with uh, churches, with schools on trauma-informed care, and just really any organizations who work with kids who've experienced trauma. Excellent. Well, we'll make sure to put that information in the show notes. And, you know, as I suspected, this conversation has been so illuminating and just so refreshing to realize that we're all human beings, almost no matter what our age is. Right. Right. And and so many of the things that you've learned about helping kids and helping parents are, are so applicable in the workplace as well. I'm so grateful for your wisdom and for your willingness to share it with us. Yeah. And I want to say too, you know, you were talking about age. We need more people who are older senior citizens like me, like, (laughs) To keep on going, yeah. um, 
to I I talk to some of my friends who are my age and they're bored and they're you know shopping and retiling their bathroom and which is all fine and good <laughs> but God is still writing our story he still yes. has amazing things that he wants yes. us to be a part of and as long as there's breath in my lungs I want to still keep doing that and I want my other friends to do that too because it like makes life much more interesting and fun i'm right there with you i i don't the the concept of retirement is a little strange to me the way it's been defined yeah so, yeah that's a whole nother a whole nother that, thing yeah that's a whole is. other conversation yes it <laughs> is oh kim thank you so much this has been such a joy thank I'm, you i'm Anne. just so blessed and honored that you joined us today thank you ann You know, I always enjoy talking to Kim. I mentioned earlier in the intro to this episode that Kim has been a go-to resource for my husband, Rich, and I through the challenging teen and young adult years. And every time I talk to her, I recognize a bit more the depth of her wisdom and her experience. I am so grateful for her passion for kids and for running straight into the situations that would probably paralyze others, myself included. She just embodies what I would call timeless truths around the recognition that developing and loving people, our kids, as well as the folks in our care at work is a privilege as leaders. It's our privilege, even when it's challenging. So here are my big takeaways. I loved when Kim said, we feel what we feel. You know, when somebody around us is feeling sad or mad or scared, just saying, don't be upset or don't be mad, doesn't it doesn't help. I've, I've actually heard it said, that that actually leads folks to feel invalidated and unheard. Instead, Kim encouraged us to be curious, not judgmental, a la Ted Lasso, Walt Whitman, and now Kim Botto with that great phrase, be curious, not judgmental. But give folks a space to talk about their feelings, take the time to listen. Doing so is actually good leadership. You know, good leadership isn't just training folks to do a task, it's developing the people in our care to the very best version of themselves, which means sometimes giving them the space to work through their feelings and helping them to identify what's really behind those feelings. Second takeaway, we were talking about discipline and Kim said, you know, you have to connect before you correct. And she also talked about speaking truth over the other person's character. I kind of put those two things together. And we talk about speaking truth over somebody. We're talking about speaking truth over the character, who they are as an heir, as a child of God. And when we do that, it's often a surprising way to handle what looks like a behavior problem or issue. Kim talked about the analog of a tree where the branches are the behaviors The trunk is the foundation that our lives have kind of been built on and the roots are the truths that we believe about ourselves. Many of us have not been deeply rooted in what God says about us, but when we as leaders can speak into someone's character in the Lord, behavior change can grow much more organically and much more sustainably, especially when we know people in our lives are among those who who aren't super rooted in the Lord. So speaking to someone's character actually addresses a behavior change, sometimes even more than kind of trying to snip at a twig or a branch that we might be trying to snip at. My last big takeaway, Kim said, corporate goals, company goals are important. That might feel really intuitive, but many times Christians in the workplace, we want to diminish or deprioritize the goals of the business. The reality is there doesn't need to be a tension between these things. We care about the business goals because if we or our company, if we're not managing the money well, for example, then the company might fail and then we can't 
actually change lives anyway, whether that's the lives of our coworkers or our customers or our clients. Corporate goals enable us to continue to do the work that God has called us to do. And she reminded us of the biblical call to submit to our leadership and give our best at work. If we're not aligned, then we move on to another role rather than disrespecting our leadership. I just thought that was such a good reminder. My challenge for you today coming out of this conversation with Kim is look for some opportunities to be curious rather than judgmental. And I really wanna encourage you to invite somebody close to you into this challenge with you. Somebody who wouldn't be afraid to call you out when you're being judgmental and would remind you to be curious. And as you do that, look for opportunities to speak into someone's character more than their behavior. I want you to try it for a few weeks. I would love to hear about it. What shifts in your heart? What are the results that you get? for yourself, for your business? What happens amongst the folks on your team and the folks that you care for as a result of you being more curious and speaking affirmation into their character? As always, we love your support. If you love Faith Driven Leader, please head over to wherever you stream and give us a five-star review and leave us some thoughts about what you love. We are so grateful for each and every one of you. All right, that's a wrap in our conversation with Kim Bado. I will see you next time on The Faith Driven Leader.